World of Work podcast with James and Jane. Hi, this is James. I wanted to let you know that as well as these podcasts, we deliver at least one free online seminar every month that you're welcome to attend wherever you are in the world. You can learn more about them and register for them via our website, www.worldofwork.io. That's www.worldofwork.io. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the World of Work Project. We've got a really exciting episode today, and we're talking about a topic that I really am interested in and care a lot about, and I think it's fascinating and, and important and interesting in, in all these um, and all these different uh, ways. Um, so today we're going to be speaking about flow, the concept of flow, and I'm being joined by Helen Emery and Rob Robson to speak about this. So we're going to bring two different views to the conversation and hopefully explore flow from a few different angles. Um, before we get into it, though, could I ask you to introduce yourself? Could I could I come to you first, Helen? And could you say a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, sure. So um, hi, everybody. Thanks for having us on, James. Um, so yes, Helen Amory. My business is called Wild Fig Solutions, and I'm a coach. And I've moved through um, psychology-based coaching into now what would really be described more of uh, spiritual-based coaching. So taking people beyond the ideas of the mind and into what we are before all of that. Brilliant, thank you. And Rob, what about yourself? Uh, hi, I'm um, so I'm a director of people science at the People Experience Hub. So we um, we work with clients to to understand the the people experience and to to use measurement to help them uh, improve it. I'm a chartered psychologist. Um, came across flow originally in my guise as a sports psychologist, which is where I you know where I actually started in all this. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Well, great to have you both on here. Great to have uh, slightly different views and, and different current roles and different um, viewpoints from which to look into this concept of flow and, and share thoughts on it. Um, I'd like to start, as I usually do, right at the beginning of this, right at the very basics. And I'm just going to ask a question, what is flow? And I'll, I'll go the other way this time. Rob, if I could come to you first and, and maybe get a sentence or two from you on what flow is or what flow means to you, that'd be great. I think flow is... Um sort of an intensely enjoyable experience of being fully in, involved or engaged in, in a task um, in, and being unburdened by what's going on, um, you know, out, outside of oneself or, 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 or of worries or anything like that. Yeah, that framing outside of oneself is really interesting yeah. as, as a way to think about it. Helen, what, what's your experience? You've got a slightly different background. What, what's your thought on play? Yeah, I love that description, Robin. And I think for me, the key thing is that it's a feeling of what we really are. And so everything you've described, Rob, is what we really are. It's that feeling of enjoyment, contentment, um, fully involved in the moment, no thoughts, nothing on our mind. Um, yeah, just fully in connection with with our essential nature. Yeah. And and so if we're in this place of connection or, or we're, we're deeply involved, we're, we're using language like in the moment and we haven't mm. necessarily spoken about it, but, but things like presence come into it. And for me, it feels like there's a, a casting aside or a jettisoning of everything that's not taking place in that specific moment. That's something that springs mm. to my mind when I think of, of flow. What, Rob, do you, what do you think flow feels like? Are, are there any sort of descriptors of flow beyond what we've spoken about or any, any things to, to help us be aware when we find flow? I think it's, I mean, I think between us, we probably used a lot of the important words, you know, and it, it's enjoyable, it, it's effortless, we were, we're absorbed, 
we're sort of focused without trying, without putting effort in, into being focused. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it, but it's, 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 it's that in, enjoyable experience that, that sort of marks it as much as anything. Yeah. And, and do you think it, it like, do you think there's like a consciousness that, that we need to go through in jettisoning other things and the things that we're holding on to? I know, Helen, when you were speaking, you, you talked about, you know, really being in that moment. Do you think it's like a conscious process of intentionally letting go of other things? Or do you think it's an organic process? Or, or what, what's your thought, Helen, on, on mm-hmm. how, how we sort of step into flow? Or, or I guess maybe this is a question. What sort of verb would you use to describe moving from a normal state into a state of flow? Mm. Yeah, it's a great observation. Because yes, I would say that flow is, I mean, to be honest, flow is happening all the time. There is never not flow. But we don't feel it all the time, because we get caught up in our minds with yeah, all the stories that we tell ourselves. Um, One of the things that I noticed in some of the literature was about a a loss of self-consciousness. And to me, that is the pure cause of whether we feel in flow or not. The instant we're in self-consciousness, the instant we're aware of something that we call ourself, we feel that disconnection from what is innately happening all the time. And so, yeah, for me, flow is revealed. It's not created. It's not done. It's, does, it's We don't make it happen. It gets revealed when that concept of self and all its associated stories settle down and go quiet. So with that, does it feel like, Again, I'm just trying to interpret some of the language and, and stuff here. Mm. Does it feel like there is a letting go to get to flow? Is is as opposed to like an intentionality? What, what do you think about that sort of framing? So I, I don't see it requires that much hard work, Rob. I'd love okay. your thoughts on it. But the, the work that I've done um, is more of a, a noticing of the times when we're caught up and attached and in that self-consciousness and noticing the times when we're not, and that naturally there's an intelligence to what we are, which naturally adjusts. And the more it's directed to the ease of flow and the beauty of flow, and, and it's pointed towards the, the discomfort and suffering of when we're in self-consciousness, naturally that system goes, huh, I would much rather be in that nice stuff than in that yucky stuff. And so it naturally adjusts, it naturally changes. So that's been my experience that having gone through some more, I guess, um, psychology application of here's how to get into flow, which requires a level of effort and a, a level of, right, what do I need to do in order to be in flow? What I've found is that actually there's a much easier route available, which is purely through the awareness of when we're in flow, when we're not, and and recognizing the, that distinction. We're either in self-consciousness or we're not, and that's it. Yeah, I'd love to hear what your perspective is as well, Rob. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely for me. It's it's something that happens. It's a it's it's an emerging state. Uh, I think you used the word organic, James. It's sort of it's you. I think when you separate out the the components of flow and the conditions of flow, you can get some clues as to things that you could do that might promote the likelihood, if you like, that you might get you might get into flow but in the end but so so for example you know there's this thing about not not being conscious uh being you know in, intensely concentrating on the, uh, the task at hand feeling in control um that la- 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 lack of or loss of self-consciousness transformation of time um these are all things that you can't necessarily you, you can't necessarily 
you know control a switch on or off but you could they're clues to, to say you know if you can actually help people feel more in control for example they're more likely to you know they're more likely than they would have been if, to, to get into flow if than if they don't feel in control of what they're doing but you can't just sort of say i'm going to get into flow i do see people selling sort of flow hacks and things and i guess it's it's about kind of trying to trying to manage some of these potential conditions but it, but it, but those are the components but there are there are sort of three preconditions that 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 are in the, the theory and, and seem to have been backed up by the the research and one is that we're in a the, the the task that we're involved in has a has a balance between challenge and skills and ideally i think that they're not it's not low skill low challenge so relatively high skill high challenge stuff so so in other words we don't feel overly taxed um and and, and pressured by what we're doing but at the same time neither are we sort of you know neither is it too easy and boring clear goals as well um which is an interesting one for me clear clear and proximal goals so goals that are are reachable touchable if you like um and that's an interesting one because it's it's that's almost um paradoxical that that that, that goals are future oriented but the, but flow is being being in the present but then there's that unambiguous feedback is the other bit about it. so you're able to sort of easily monitor progress in terms of what you're doing and it doesn't necessarily when we talk about goals that doesn't have to be a lofty goal but you're but you're you know you're trying to do something so the idea of a, like a little game might even be flow inducing you know and and, and the, some of the early stuff that that it out Jacinda Mahaley was doing it. He talked about. He talked even about people sort of managing in very harsh conditions, even sort of concentration camps and things. Getting experiencing flow in 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 adversity by playing little mind games and things like that. So that is that those helping them to actually sort of, sort of be present and you know and experience something in the moment that was you know you know a counter to what the conditions they were in. Um, so you can you can sort of manipulate your environment, but you can't make yourself go into flow. I suppose as well. Yeah, mm. and you know earlier, <clears throat> Helen, you used the phrase, or you're you talking about self consciousness, and and mm. you know there's a piece about letting go of of self consciousness. I believe is the phrase that, that you you used or, or or what you alluded to, and it, it's when we're not self conscious that we can find moment to flow do you think mm. that different people find it easier to do this or, or let me let me sort of wind that back a little bit i find that from a personal experience perspective i've got a fair amount of self-talk and mind talk like many people do i've got that inner narrator that spends a lot of its time commenting on all the things that happen in, in the world around me mm. and, and my own actions and at times in social interaction in exercise in work I will find that that voice is silent and I've forgotten that there's something <laughs> there narrating mm -hmm. my existence. Mm -hmm. Now, do you, do you get the sense that different people have different volumes, I guess, on their self-talk, different verbosity on their self-talk and, and a different propensity to find themselves in flow? Do you think some people find it easier or harder or do you think everyone's just different but the same? 
Yeah, gosh, I have no idea. And, and no idea how we'd ever compare people's self-talk in terms of, yeah, frequency, verbosity, any of that stuff. Um, what I know is that that's not who we are. And and actually, we've never really been told that. We've we've always been taught to listen to our thinking, that thinking is important. Think, thinking is really lauded in our society and held up. And we've never really distinguished between the fact of that round and round narrative, which is very repetitive, which is very delusional, in fact, and the kind of thinking that comes through fresh from where I call upstream, which is from source, which is just appears from nowhere and and comes for no apparent reason, like when you're in the shower or out on a walk or exercising or whatever. And, and it's all these distinctions and um, the recognition of how we work naturally that again naturally has us not pay attention to the narrator because we increasingly see there's something I am that is not that narrator and therefore do I actually have to pay attention to it given that it actually causes me more problems than solutions is it really the best thing and and it's not a conscious process like I'm kind of talking it through as if it's a conscious process there's no me that ever thought right I'm going to let go of that self-consciousness it was. It is this natural intelligence in us that just says, "No, I'm not going to follow that anymore." And the less we follow it, the less it chatters, because yeah. we we see through it. Yeah, that's interesting. One of the one of the phrases that's in my mind quite often in this space is, um, "Just because I think something doesn't mean I need to believe it." And, mm. and that's sort of something that I hold on to quite a bit in in my navigation of the world. And, and I think that's um, that's quite interesting. And and certainly as I've you know, gotten older and spent more time, you know, working and doing things in different ways. I, I'm very much convinced, again, from a personal perspective, that I do a lot of my best thinking unintentionally. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, that that benefit of stepping away, of sleeping on something, of taking time, of giving, I in, in my language that I use, of giving my brain time to sort of digest and do things without forcing it into shape. And I find that mm-hmm. when I do that, um, ideas and clarity tends to emerge over time. Mm-hmm for me and i guess I, I guess if i think about that i think that my unconscious is a big contributor to my enjoyment and to some extent my ability to find solutions and find connections and find many ways certainty and reach clarity of decision and i guess mm-hmm. if i come to you rob have you got thoughts on the relationship between sort of performance and flow or, or this other sort of unintentionality of thinking and flow yeah i mean it's um <clears throat> I mean, there's, you know, at work, there's very, very clearly, you know, relationships between flow and performance. Um, and it's, I mean, it's, 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 it is kind of a tasky subject, you know, so it's, you know, task, more task based performance. There is, there are things like, like group, group based flow. But if you think about it, I mean, I, I, you know, Helen used, I can't remember the exact phrase, but mentioned something about moving towards rather than you know, rather than trying to do. And, and, and a word I've used in the past around my own mindset, going back to my, my sport, is, is cultivating. And that means it's, it's, it's sort of quite hard to describe to some, in some ways because it's like saying, you know, when you cultivate your garden, you don't, you don't kind of, um, you nurture it, you, you create conditions that are good for it. You don't, you know, you don't make 
roses, for example. <laughs> you plant the seeds and you try, you know, and you give it, give it the best chance. And then mentally, it's, it's, it's about moving. I like that, that, that sort of idea of moving towards certain things and, and leaning into certain things. And, 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 you know, you talked about, you mentioned self-talk earlier on. Those, those sort of thoughts, those, those negative thoughts, if you like, those worries um, and, and, and those self-conscious thoughts, because often those, those, those thoughts are, are about what if, what, what, how will I seem if, what will people think, all that sort of stuff. It's just interference. And I suppose what we say about flow is, is ultimately it's the lack of interference uh, in, in, in the system. Um, so I think there is a, quite a strong, you know, correlation between between flow and performance. It's not absolute. It's not absolute. You know, I think there are other aspects to performance than just than, than just flow. And I think one of, and interestingly, one of the th- things that a lot of elite athletes will do will really work on is how do I get the best out of myself when I don't necessarily feel great. <laughs> but it's but I certainly think there's a, a very strong relationship between the two. Yeah, that's really interesting. And do either of you, I'll, um, I'll sort of chuck it out there as, an, as a question, but I, I think I'll come to you first, Rob, on it, is um, do, do either of you know about sort of a neuroscience or brain blood flow or parts of a brain or, you know, what is being fired um, at, a, at a neuron level of what's going on? I can see Rob um, <laughs> sort of wishing I didn't go to him first with this question. <laughs> it's all right to not have an answer. I just thought I'd yeah. ask and see if, if we had a thought on what happens. It is an interesting one because there has been some research. And I'll be honest, if I was if I was to answer your question um, literally, I would probably I would just read some stuff off the page here. Yeah. Um there has been some research and there are sort of patterns in terms of when they manipulate conditions. The difficult thing is you can't you can't measure the neuroscience of when someone's in flow because what you would be doing is waiting for them to be in flow. Uh, I mean, do you, you keep someone hooked up to an MRI scanner? So what they do is they experiment with create the conditions like the challenge, challenge and skill balance, for example. And they say, ah, this happens in your brain when we see this when people are in, in a condition of challenge and skill balance. But it, but but I was because I saw this this question was going to come up. I had a, a bit of a look, and and what was interesting was there was a few things, and but then ultimately, it said, but you need to be careful about working on sort of brain science with this stuff, or or just using, or just focusing in on what happens in the brain because ultimately it's a subjective experience, and it's and and the stuff that happens in the brain is irrelevant without the subjective experience. And I think we and, and my and my view of a lot a lot of the time in psychology is that we we often like jump to talking about what's happening in your brain, but you can't do anything about that. You can't manipulate what's going on in your brain. You you know unless we go down the, the you know the the route of you know chemically inducing you know states. It's it's sometimes I think it's a bit of a distraction. I don't know what Helen thinks about that. <laughs> Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be inclined to agree, Rob. Um, to me, it's almost the same. It's it's like, it's no different from looking at the behaviour of somebody in flow and trying to replicate the behaviour to get into flow. As if, yeah, looking at the images of a brain, we can replicate getting into flow by looking at the images of a brain. Like, that's not how it was going to work. 
the, the images of the brain and the behavior are the outputs. They're like the downstream result of being in flow, which yeah. has happened way further upstream. Um, but interestingly, there's a book, uh, Stealing Fire, which um, they talk about flow state and a number of other um, aspects, but primarily that um, they call it stir, but I can't remember what the, they, those letters stand for. But they talk about a whole bunch of different aspects. They look at it from all different angles, including origins of, you know, ancient mystic times yeah. when f- people first discovered there was something, there's some really nice different states to be, on, be in and how to be in those. Um, and go through to talking about like tech companies and how they're currently trying to create biotech and all that kind of stuff to induce flow states. Um, so there's all sorts of yeah reverse engineering happening to try and make flow happen, to try and make us be more effective, which is fine. You know, we're going to do that. We're human beings. We seem to have this propensity for it. But to me, it is natural. It is innate, and we don't have to go through biotech or psychedelics or anything like that. We can we can just see how we naturally work, and it happens. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think it's a really really dangerous route to go down. It's the equivalent of, of just uh, having happy pills, and and yeah. uh, you know, the 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 whole point of flow is is that we that we find this happy state of happiness. Although it's, for me, it's not 100% of, of happiness. It's part of the picture. But it, we find this state of happiness from meaningful activities, you know, th- from activities that, that, that have some substance so that they're not passive. Uh, they are, uh, you know, they're, they're active. And so what you take away those conditions, you take away the activity uh, and try and replicate the experience, you know, by with a happy pill, for example, it, it just defeats the object entirely yes there's something on that in itself so for me we we are fulfillment our nature is to feel fulfilled like if you look at a little kid they they will be fulfilled by one activity and then another and then another but they're they're fulfilled by every single one and they move on naturally to the next they don't spend their time going well what's going to be the right balance of challenge and um interest for me they just move they just move from one activity for another and I think they're amazing little kids as a a reminder for us of of what we really are Mm. and I think um yeah so if you think of the extreme situations like I know I know a guy who worked uh when he was like a teen he his parents sent him to a zen monastery and so he was doing that classic thing that we hear of buddhist monks and zen monks where they have to like clean the floor a hundred times or whatever by the end he was absolutely fulfilled and in the zone and in flow with the experience of cleaning a floor. Now, of course, if he'd ever gone into that thinking, oh, yes, this is going to be my maximum fulfillment doing this activity, of course, that wasn't his view. He hated it for the first, like, 98 times. But it, for me, it's a, it's it shows how it's not actually about the activity we're doing. So when we are creating the conditions for flow, what we're doing is settling down that self chatter because that self loves to think it's in control and to think it has certainty so anything that we're doing when we're creating the conditions for flow are essentially settling that down because we're giving it the sense it's in control or we're giving it the sense of certainty so like with the example you used before rob of um you know a goal with meaningful like feedback along the way essentially that's what that 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 um approach is doing it's saying to them to the mind look you're okay 
you've got something you're working towards, you've got some certainty there. Oh, look, you're okay, you're in control, because look, you're getting feedback along the way to suggest that you're on the right tracks. So it's not the activity in and of itself which has the effect. It's the settling of the mind because it thinks I'm okay, I'm in control and I have certainty. Yeah, yeah. And and actually, you know, just at my in self would would talk about finding finding flow in tasks that one might not expect to it's you know you can find the meaning in in something yeah um yeah interesting that, that's pretty fascinating and it, it's um the ability to find flow in all kinds of things is very interesting in itself and it speaks to i guess who we are in those moments and, and our capacity to find flow in all walks of life and and, and earlier rob you, you referenced you know people in very difficult situations finding flow and and your example there helen of you know cleaning a floor repeatedly as, as, a, <laughs> as a process of flow you know it, it feels like in in all kinds of walks of life we can find this sense of flow and, and this this quieting of the mind that comes from it um helen i've got a question for you a, a lot of the stuff a lot of a language that we're using here for me is reminiscent or redolent of language that i hear around things like meditation around things like mindfulness you spoke about zen um you know um, buddhism and things like that do, do you think there's a, an overlap between those types or, or those views of um sort of i guess behaviors that, that we adopt mm -hmm. and, and the things that we can do and and the experiences we have in moments of, of uh, mindfulness and, and when we're meditating with the experience of flow yeah it, it's all the same mechanism so so meditation and mindfulness aren't required to live with an understanding of the experience of flow and to experience flow more often but they in a way they're another reverse engineering mechanism they're another way of creating the conditions because meditation is shown to um going back to brain images again it's shown to quiet down the default mode network which is the center of that chatter voice and so yeah we can meditate to quiet the default mode network and then we will have more of an experience of flow because it's been settled down um yeah. and so yes yeah, so people who meditate who do like the kind of ten thousand hours type approach to meditation sometimes the default mode shuts off completely and never comes back again and um and hence they're in the, the innate permanent state of flow so yes it's another um it's it's again it's the same mechanism happening it's just another way of experiencing it again which is why people enjoy meditating and practicing mindfulness because they're back in connection with themselves with their real self which is what we're all looking for really in anything we're doing and um and yeah that's that's a way of of doing it and and not a requirement but it's available as an option yeah and and sort of my understanding of the the effective meditation on the default um network is that it in the moment of meditation it, we can we can quiet those those parts of our brain that are by default churning over and finding any problem and and you know this sort of like random access memory trying to find problems to solve in the mm. moment of meditation we, we quiet those but also over time the more we meditate the less power those parts of our brain have and, and mm. the less they tend to flare up and as you said over time i i, I didn't know this what, mm. what you said about people being able to shut them off entirely but that's a a really interesting output so over time we, we we start to quell those those different um those different aspects of our brain mm. um 
Rob, have you got experience with this side of things, the, the mindfulness and meditation and how that links to flow? I, I, w- I, I certainly wouldn't describe myself as an expert on, on either of those things. I think the, the key thing is that there are, I suppose there are different, there are very different types of meditation. And, mm. and even with mindfulness, there's different types of exercises. It's, it's a practice, you know. So, for example, I, I you know, when I sort of looked at mindfulness more, I, I, I looked at my, oh, that's kind of what I do when I'm swimming. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, it, it is that bit about being present and being fully kind of, you know, focused on on, on, on what you're doing. And, and that's why kind of so many, um, what we might describe as everyday activities uh, are, can, can ultimately be therapies. Right? You know, so you've got art therapy, drama therapy, uh, you, you, you know, exercise is is you know prescribed for you know anxiety depression i think a lot of that is a lot of that is to do with the fact that there are activities that you can ultimately get into the moment be present whether you actually find flow or not it's it, it, it's taking you out of that you know anti-flow if you like which is <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about the future i'm thinking about all my worries and th- thinking about you know the past, what I've done, what I'm going to, all that sort of takes away from all that. And, um, you know, so I think that's why activities work well as, as therapies. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you speak about swimming, I, I go running, not as much as I used to, but my, I have to say my life changed when I started to run regularly and, you know, not huge amount, three, four or five hours a week or something like that, that kind of time. And, in those moments, I do find that I have what would be described as mindfulness or meditation and that connected experience. And, and you know, I, the way I described it to myself years ago was I, at some point I'd, you know, go out maybe on a Sunday, I had a big work week ahead with me and I'd go out and I'd run and I'd think about stuff and I'd kind of run until I just didn't have stuff to think about anymore. <laughs> and it never really, you know, I never really connected that with getting to this stage, mm. but essentially that's what it was. And, and for me, there was a calmness with it. Um, I guess, an acceptance that, that came with it, a, a very much of a peacefulness. Um, and it's, it's um, you know, it's it's led to a, a big change for me um, in my own lives, which I think is, is wonderful. Um, if we could spend all our times in flow, would that be a good thing? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure um, we'll see that globally in our lifetime. But yeah, some some people would suggest that we're heading that direction as a as a species. Um, but yeah, it's, it seems at the moment that we're designed for the contrast. We're designed for the discomfort, and and for my work, the discomfort is essential because it it's a revealer of where we're attaching to something. It's a revealer of the beliefs we're holding as truths, and so it's massively useful because without that discomfort, we wouldn't get to see those things. And we wouldn't get to understand them and and see the logic of the behavior that we're displaying based on that belief. So, yeah, to me, the the contraction in and out of that flow state is it, it's a perfection of the system right now that it, it's helping us. Yeah, we have the lovely experience and then we also have the contraction moments, which are there as gifts to us too to see through some some conditioned thinking. Mm. yeah on on a slightly like different framing on that a little bit sometimes 
I think that the as as you're you're getting at there, Rob, I think that the the times of difficulty and the times of, you know, self-talk and overwhelm or, or whatever, those moments when we get ourselves into bad places can be just experiences in themselves. And in some ways, having the ability to have a rich variety of experiences in life is itself, I think, rewarding. And and if one can step back and say, well, this is just another palette of experience, aren't I to some extent lucky to have broadened my, you know, the, the range of colors in my palette, that can be an interesting thing. But that's a completely different conversation. So I don't know where I was going to go. If we went down that rabbit hole, we'd end up somewhere very different. Um, <laughs> I guess what I'd like to jump on now and think a little bit about, um, I guess, ourselves and our work, right? So so quite often, um, you know, in, in these podcasts, we, we do come back to work. And I think it's important with this. I, I guess if I, if I go to you first, Rob, do you think that as individuals, we, we find different types of work maybe linked to characteristics of ourselves more prone to to help us get into these states of flow maybe we're more social or, or we're more um you know creative or we're, we're more numerate or, or whatever we've got different interests or characteristics or strengths and and those shape our inclination to flow or do you think that flow can come from all aspects of of types of work i think flow can effectively come from from all aspects of work to, to a certain degree. Um, you know, it, it's, it is more, um, more, more associated with, you know, a task I'm, I'm doing something, I, whether that's with my hands or with my brain, or, you know, I, I, I'm actually doing something. So, but I, I think it's more about the conditions. Yes. Yes. We all have, I think, slightly different predispositions towards what's been described as the, the autotelic personality. Um, so, so, but, but, but I think it's, I, I think that's, it's a combat, that's a combination of potentially, you know, genetics, but it's also about learning and skills and all that sort of stuff. And so yeah, I think you, you can learn to, to manage yourself to, to, to become, you know, to, to, I like, like we talked, going right back to the beginning, you can't switch flow on and off, but you can manage yourself in a way that, that makes it more likely that you that you might. And you can manage your environment around you. And I think, you know, that's that's probably an important thing for, for employers to be thinking about. Yeah. And and what do you think, Helen? Do you think, we like, different roles are better for different people? Or do you think it's a case of loving the one you're with, I guess? What, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think we are. Um, I think in many ways we are innately designed. So there's kind of like a, at an absolute level, we could be in flow with anything. But in a as soon as we come into the experience of being a human being, I think there's a flavour that creates a Jamesness and a Robness and a Helenness, which means that we've got certain propensities and certain preferences, and that we each kind of hone our body mind for a certain set of activities. And yeah, train the body. Like, you know, you you obviously come from the world of sport, Rob, but you see um, athletes who have worked hours and hours and hours in a very physical way to train the body mind, train the muscles to respond in certain ways and behave in certain ways. And then when they get in the in the game, on the pitch, on the court, whatever, in the pool, you're then 
just on that autopilot because you you've trusted that you've done the work in kind of programming the system with the the rules of the game almost if you like and I think it's the same with all of us to some extent in the work we do so I remember when I very first came to coaching and talking to somebody about my experience of coaching somebody and them saying oh that sounds like you're in flow when you're doing that that sounds like something would be worth you following up on and doing more of and that was my first introduction to the idea of flow um I'd never heard of it before um so I think yes I think we have propensities as an individual to certain things and what I've seen is that the more the confusion of that self-mind is is um, dissolved, the more we're naturally able to move towards what fulfills us and what what we are designed for. Yeah, it's oh sorry, James. It reminds me of the you know the stuff around um, moving from being unconsciously incompetent yeah. to, to 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 unconsciously competent. Yeah. And flow is is that unconscious confidence. So anything that you, anything that you start, anything that requires skill that you that you are new to, uh, you, that you need to learn, you need to learn some skills in order to meet the challenge, as it were, uh, and to to experience flow. And, and everybody will everybody will will kind of um, recognize the frustration of trying to learn something new and and struggling with it um but once you know so it's it i i do agree we all we're all we all have our natural talents as it were we all we are better suited to some things than others but i think there's that element of getting past the point of struggling to learn to then being able to meet the challenges that you that you have in in that role yeah i've got something else that was in my mind as, as we were just speaking about about um, about that question there, and I guess it, it's a question about whether flow is a depleting experience or a recharging experience or both or neither. What do you what do you think? Do you think that that flow is necessarily something that we find recharging or something that we find depleting, or does it vary depending on the specific things that we do? Have you got any thoughts on on that that aspect of flow? Um, I guess Helen. I don't know if you've got. Mm. I, I would say recharging. Um, absolutely, no question. From my perspective, if if we're in flow, we're absolutely. It's you used the word very early on, Rob, of easeful. Yeah. It's so easeful because we're so just in the moment and taking the obvious steps. There's no extra effort going into analysis or questioning or is this right and am I doing it well enough? It's just pure life in motion. And yeah, from my experience, it's always recharging. Yeah. yeah, and we have to be able to separate that off from the the the, the maybe the physical or cognitive effort yeah. involved in in what you're doing, which might be tiring. But that doesn't mean that it it's, it's the flow is not tiring. <laughs> you know, the activity may be tiring. There may be a finite point at which you can continue to to which you can continue to do it. But that doesn't mean. But that that's not the flow that's causing you to be tired. That's that's the demand of the task that would be causing that. And I, I would I would agree that it's intrinsically, you know, recharging. Yeah. Okay. So so we thought a little bit about what flow is, about what it means for us as individuals, about how we transition or otherwise into it, the impacts of it, some of the 
uh, the benefits around it and things like that and, and talked a little bit about it in our own work. What about from uh, an organizational perspective or a leadership perspective or a management perspective? And I'm going to come to you here first, Helen, with, with quite an open question. Given what we've learned about flow in this conversation and, and the, the other knowledge that you and the listeners have, is there anything that you think leaders should do when they think about the way they lead their organizations um, to benefit from the knowledge and, and positive aspects of flow that we've discussed? So I'm, I'm going to be an awkward guest and not answer that with a, with a do. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm absolutely not in the business of behavioral prescriptions mm-hmm. um, because I don't see them being effective. I see that we are all finding our own way that when we, when something makes sense, we'll do it. And until it makes sense, we won't. And that actually part of the exhaustion in the world right now is because we're running around trying to follow other people's prescriptions for our life. And that's just not, uh, that's not what we're designed for. So, um, yeah. And, and I, and I, that doesn't mean for all the people who are giving advice and tips, they shouldn't be doing that. But from my work and from my perspective, that's, it just doesn't make sense. Because what I see is that when people look entirely to who they really are and see what is this self that I'm conscious of, who am I that is conscious of this self that seems to take me off track? Those questions then sort all the behavior out. They sort clear the path really for, okay, so now what am I going to do to support my team or to support the change program we're doing or whatever it is that's happening? But it's getting back to those foundations, which absolutely put us in the space of clarity and flow and productivity and connection with others and obviousness. And that's where great ideas come from for what shall I do now for this situation? Because there is so much nuance in the world, which we love to try and ignore and package into a black and white prescription. Do this, do that, follow this process, do that process. And I just don't see that that's a sustainable way for us to go as a, as a society, let alone an organization or an individual. So yeah, my, my invitation for anybody who's interested in my stuff is always, well, we're not going to be talking about what you're going to do differently. We're absolutely always looking back to who you are. And, um, and then the rest is so much easier to sort out. Right. Okay. Thank you. That, that's a really um, helpful and, and, insightful starting position for this. Um, Rob, I'm going to come to you with, with uh, another follow-up on that and, and see, again, you know, I appreciate Helen's point about exploration of the self and, and that being the, the guiding star behind a lot of this. Um, clearly, Rob, you've got a different uh, working approach and, and you, you work in a different type of organization and have different views. Do you think there's anything that leaders may wish to do when it comes to shaping organizations, given what we know about this, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's and it's 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 about it's about promoting conditions that might allow or or you know enable people to to have you know better experiences, whether it ends up being flow or just better experiences, and, and removing barriers to them. So it you know so things like autonomy empowerment, letting people feel they're in control, helping them to build the skills they need, you know, creating clarity. It, it, it's all stuff that will help. All, all, all other things being equal, do those things, you know, people are, are probably more likely to, 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 
to experience you know flow or similar experiences from from you know from day to day and the barriers to that sort of stuff is your micro stresses you know, things that don't work distractions unnecessary conflict all that you know so removing those barriers and it, and 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 that's just good you know you call that you know what do you want to call that good culture good employee experience it's not right this stuff is not what's really interesting about it is when you get down to it, it's not different that different from things like intrinsic motivation it's not that different from things like work engagement um sometimes it's actually frustrating that that psychologists can't just get together and describe something unifying you know um because they all seem to be occupying the same space sometimes but it's it's but but it's all, it's all good basic practices there brilliant thank you so it sounds like we've got some work to do on ourselves and some work to do on fundamentals and organizations yeah. and if we get some of that we'll we'll potentially be in a, in a good place with this um okay guys so in the interest of time i'm going to draw the conversation to a close um just before we go uh helen could i come to you could you let us know how people could learn a little bit more about you and what you do yeah thanks james um so best places are <clears throat> excuse me my website so that's wildfigsolutions.co.uk so that's, that's in the fruit the fig and um also social media so all the social media options instagram twitter linkedin facebook um any of those people to find me on yeah thank you thanks helen and rob yes so i'm i'm on linkedin um in forward slash robert s robson um but i think i'm searchable as rob robson um I'm, i'm on twitter again at robert s robson um, I'm on other things, but I don't really use them. <laughs> um, and and uh, people experience have website is is um, pxhub.io. And we're also we're also on LinkedIn and Twitter and even TikTok. I'm apparently. Wow. <laughs> You're so cool. <laughs> okay, thank you guys so much. It's been wonderful talking to you. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Hi, it's Jane. I just want to say thanks for listening to the whole episode. If you enjoyed it, if you have a question or if you just want to say hi, you can find us on Twitter at worldofwork underscore IO. Don't forget, you can also find out more about what we do, including our online seminars, workshops and development programs on www.worldofwork.io. 